way back to like war, medieval times and like ancient civilizations and how they used sound, this ancient Celtic horn. And when the Romans first came over to Britain, they faced these crazy Celts. And it was the most harrowing sound I've ever heard. <laughs> and it, like, it spooked the Romans that much that they all left and never came back for a hundred years. Welcome to Speculative Sandbox, your audio playground for creative storytellers. My name is Vicki Lawn, and each episode, I and a guest will unpack a fiction trope with an eye for character development and narrative structures. Make sure to look for Speculative Sandbox on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, where you can join the conversation. Leave comments or questions, or let us know what other tropes we should cover. When the real world just doesn't cut it, let's get lost in a fictional one. Richie Billing, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Can you please tell our listeners about yourself? Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to be here. I, I'm a fantasy, or sorry, I'm a writer. I write all genres nowadays. But um, uh, I also host podcasts as well, Fantasy Writers Toolshed. And I think that's how we met, isn't it? You were a guest on my show. Yes. And um, we had a great chat about tropes and things like that. And I think you, you sent me some suggestions, didn't you, about music? And uh, it doesn't get spoken enough about, to be yeah. honest. I'm so excited oh. to, to have the opportunity to chat with you about it. I have been wanting to talk about music since I started the podcast, like t- almost two years ago. Where has it been two years ago? I guess by the end of this month or end of this year, it'll be two years. But I have been wanting to talk because music's a huge part of my background. So, all right, I'm excited to get into it. But first, I have some icebreaker questions for you. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, far away. Okay. So you talked about your podcast, The Fantasy Writer's Tool Shed. So what is one of the, like, the most favorite topics you've covered? It doesn't have to be the one with me. <laughs> so don't feel like you have to say that. <laughs> oh, well, that but what really sticks with best. you? <laughs> um, probably one of my favorite ones that I've covered uh, in the last few months is body language. And I interviewed a former FBI special agent who'd done about 10,000 interviews in his career. So that was really, really interesting and because body language is so, it's a bit like music. I think it's a bit underused, undervalued when it comes to fiction writing and mm-hmm. it's such a powerful thing. Like most of our body language, uh, most of our sort of language is non-verbal and just speaking to someone about who understands it and can just read people. Uh, it was amazing. Like at the end of the show, we'd stop recording and everything like that and he asked me when it was coming out and we were on the camera and I just put my hand behind my neck and I was like, oh, I'm not too sure, probably a couple of months. And he was like, well, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing's wrong, it's fine. And he was like, well, you put your hand on the back of your neck and that means that you're worried about something. Oh. I was like, bloody hell, it's going to be annoying spending time with you. <laughs> wow, that's so interesting. So I work with police officers. Uh, I'm part of a government, so police officers are just part of the job. And What's interesting is when I talk to them, sometimes I, I'm aware that they are very observant. Yeah. And I think they're very polite when they work with me because it's very administrative based. But I, they, they go through training similar to like the FBI experience. And every now and then I'm like, I wonder what kind of tells I'm giving, you know, just by sitting here in the room with them. Yeah. I mean, I always was of the belief. This is what I've, I think I just read it. Actually, that if you fold your arms when you're talking to someone, it means that you're closing yourself off to them. So I was always really conscious about doing that, but I, I have a real thing. I really like 
folding my arms. It's just really comfortable. Mm-hmm. And he said that that's just nonsense that you're closing yourself off. It's just you giving yourself a hug. Oh, it's, like it's a, it's a, it's a like a, a sort of act of um, comfort. So yeah, okay. I, I do it all the time. No, and I notice everyone doing it, and it's not that they're being um, sort of negative towards me. It's just that they're more comfortable like that. And I don't know. It's it's weird, isn't it? I think that that's a really good point. We talk a lot about like in pop culture, like if you're jiggling your leg or you're moving around too much, they're like, oh, you don't want to be here. But when people with ADHD in particular, I could speak to that experience. It's it's a form of stimming and it helps just with regulation, you know, and you're sitting there and you're just kind of twirling your ankle or you're jiggling your knee and has and if anything it helps you focus and what Definitely. sucks is when people think they have an idea of what that body language means and they assume something that's the complete opposite of what's actually going on yeah it just, it just explains the complexity of that topic as well and all the uh, the great inspiration that writers can take from it okay now segueing into our topic what is your yeah. favorite movie soundtrack favorite movie soundtrack definitely lord of the rings um yeah i've got quite a few uh favorite songs on that one because <laughs> I, I, I write a lot of fantasy mm-hmm. that kind of music i don't know i don't know we'll probably just get, go into this a bit more but my sort of relationship with music is quite deep and it's at certain times and like i'll be listening to music and i'll feel i get physical reactions like asmr i suppose um, mm-hmm. I feel it. I feel the music, and it's like especially when I've been writing and I've been sort of churning out like loads of words, just trying to get things done. Like I'll put playlists on mm-hmm. of this kind of music, and yeah, it's it's a real powerful tool for me in particular. I don't know about you. Oh, it's same. I use Spotify, and I'll look up. Uh, like science fiction soundtracks for reading <laughs> and yeah. or writing and people have already curated these things it's uh, uh, academic what's the one dark academia uh, great stuff like that where uh, it puts you in the mood uh, do you know how to play an instrument no not really okay. uh, I whistle I love whistling oh. along to songs which is something awesome. I've been doing recently but my partner hates me whistling does so. that mean you can <laughs> sing if you can whistle Are those I don't related? think I don't oh. think I can sing, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. But obviously, I wouldn't do it in public. I just sing to myself sometimes or sing when I'm in the car. Usually, mm-hmm. I'll sing along. Um, gotcha. But I, I've been listening to more of my own music that doesn't have words. So uh, I don't sing as often. But I, I, I've got a mandolin. I know a few chords on the mandolin and uh, a harmonica. I have a little blast on every now and then. But no, I'm not musically gifted whatsoever. What oh. about you? Uh, I, well, I've been classically trained in piano since I was six. So I originally went to the university with a piano performance degree in mind. I had to do an audition and everything. And then I quickly learned I wasn't a good fit for the college as far as like where my mind was. I I realized I was more passion. Like I didn't want to ruin my passion for piano. And that's just my perspective. But um, I grew up learning classical before I knew what pop music was. I was in a very kind of protected, sheltered home. My mom was from Vietnam. She brought in a lot of music from you know her home country. And I didn't know what a radio station was until I went to school. And it was fourth grade. And 
the one of the questions was what's your favorite radio station and everyone knew what a radio station i'm sitting there going what <laughs> like i had no <laughs> idea i had to learn a lot about american pop culture through school uh, but I I still love classical music and um, I use it to focus at work, yeah. especially. I always have to uh, have something in. It's it's probably better than medication at this point for focus. It's been so great. Um, I yeah. speak I speak generally. I don't ever want to make an assumption about medicine, of course. But um, love listening to and uh, you know playing music. I I feel the same way you do as far as feeling very emotionally impacted by music i'll sit in theaters and the music will swell and there's nothing remarkable happening and it could be the cheesiest thing ever but that music will like reduce me to tears and i always get so embarrassed because i don't want anyone to see that (laughs) no it's true i'm exactly the same but it's it's brilliant that you've got that skill and that outlet because there is something so therapeutic especially about the piano such a a beautiful sound that you get from it Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I've learned. I, I think because I learned in such a classical way, um, in very such a precise way, I consider music reading to be almost like English to me, where I can speak it if I see it. But if you ask me to break down all the terminologies and the and the technique, I wouldn't be able. To, it's almost like it's just a. It's just my language. I don't know. And so I had a really hard time in a musical theory class. And translating to other instruments. So I haven't continued since, you know, college, but uh, it's something I wish I I understood more. But it's good that you say it's like a language and it's just natural to you and you just pick it up. And because I always like look at musicians now, like guitar players and like like going through a mad resurgence at the moment of uh, listening to the Allman Brothers. They're definitely my favorite band. And just listen to Dwayne Allman play guitar. He died when he was 27. Um, and that band, when they were sort of in the pomp, they were only around for 18 months. And they recorded some of the best music I've ever heard in that time. I mean, in there's no there's no practicing like for years and years and years to get that good. There's no, it's just a natural language that they speak. And when you're listening to them, you can and sort of understand it and see where it's going and relate so much to it and it's it's definitely like something special yes. definitely and like you say you don't need all that theory and it jars with it because it like you say it doesn't feel natural to you you've got that natural gift like some people it's like with writing isn't it some people just don't feel naturally able to write they have to sort of study it practice really hard and then it sort of clicks but other people can just naturally do it can't they it's weird Oh, absolutely. I see it in photography as well, where you have someone who's dedicated all their time and maybe they're even teaching, but, and their photos are technically perfect, but they don't make you feel anything. And then you hand a point and shoot to an amateur who has a vision and they take the most amazing photos through their, their gift of sight, you know, and you look at that and, and you're like, do you need to know Oh, and that's that's also another debate. I used to be a photographer. I know, I know that, that would get yeah. debated. My brother is a prime example. So I was trained for years. My brother wasn't. He was. He really objected to piano lessons, but music was in his blood, and he eventually played lead guitar in a band. And I'd hear him play, and he he was a genius. He doesn't he doesn't yeah. know music. Um, like he doesn't follow any 
um what do you call it when it's written <laughs> written written music the scores yes the scores there's no yeah. they don't work off scores they don't compose the scores but i i don't know how they do it actually but when i go see him and he's practicing it's just comes out of his brain through his fingers and he doesn't use the guitar the way like he uses all of the guitar if that makes sense yeah. and he's all over the strings and that's entirely self-taught and i look at him and i'm like i can't i don't know how he does that that's amazing i can't do that Sometimes it's better. Like I've met people who've been sort of very stringently like trained and have gone through all the grades and the scores. And then when it's come to like sitting around with like a group of musicians and they're all having a jam, they just don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. They haven't been able to sort of liberate the minds from that sort of like all the scores and stuff like that. And you, you just like, it's, it's, there must be like a part of your brain that you've got access to sort yeah. of free yourself up and um, it's the connect. times where i have done that it's what? felt like a have you seen the movie soul i think it's a pixar no. movie okay there they have the idea where he plays jazz the main character plays jazz and anytime he plays jazz it's almost like he is ascending like his soul is going to its happy place it's you know um it, it's it's like when you hyperfixate on a project and you're really happy and hours pass and you don't realize it you know yeah. it's that idea it's a high and that i feel the rare times where i've sat down and just played freely uh it feels that way and yeah. it's it, releasing that control and almost disassociating a little bit but in the movie soul they talked about how that depending on how you feel about that like if you hyperfixate so hard and it becomes an obsession and a source of anxiety then you're no longer high you're actually chained to like this hellscape it's very interesting highly recommend it's a good movie about music yeah that sounds great so let's talk about the history of music and storytelling i have just a brief summary where we talk where um i did some research and music is very prevalent in storytelling since the early days i mean think about sitting around a fire you know and just the oral storytelling and then yeah. there's some instruments that accompany like a drum um, then progressing on to more formalized stage or oral productions across cultures. Uh, the opera is a, a good example. Um, then you have silent films where the music kind of drives a lot of the action. Then yeah. you segue into modern filmmaking. We talk about Lord of the Rings. And then I wanted to talk about TikTok because it's been a, it's an interesting transcendence of how music is reaching through the screen and now people can use music as the soundtrack to their life yeah. and produce their own stuff. So that's what I have. But what, what are your thoughts on the history of music? It is. It's amazing, really. And the storytelling side of it is is so powerful. Um, I was literally just in Portugal at the weekend and we went to this um, concert of type of music, like Portuguese music called Fado. Mm -hmm. And it's poetry through music. And it's like one of the oldest parts of the Portuguese culture. And it's just an example of like how people share emotions, experiences, perspectives through music. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. Like it's I love how it's evolved and how it changes over time. Like it's like people can be massively influenced by different things, and then that will spare like a whole new wave, like a big ripple effect will just spread. And it's uh, it's so uh, like TikTok is probably one of the greatest examples. Like I think mm -hmm. one there was a guy recently who <laughs> he was driving with his dad. His dad used to be in a band, and he just put this song on, 
and it was never released and it was from the 70s i think uh-huh. and his, his son shared it on tiktok and it went viral got like hundreds of millions of views and like it, it's a great way of of sharing like basically what would have happened thousands of years ago around the campfire but just on a much greater scale yes well what i love is that you can really see how different sounds uh contribute to different intentions tones moods and then you associate certain music and sound effects to those things as it's reinforced as trends take off so let's talk about like how music is used if if you're going to sit down and now we're going to write a song or compose something that serves as a backdrop to a horror film versus a fantasy film versus a sci-fi film what what do you think stands out most among uh, i guess across those genres yeah it's i think like for fantasy music it's very classical and dramatic big crescendos um i think one of the most inspiring musicians for me um, he's more of a composer. Um, was um, Ennio Morricone, and what he did with like the good, the bad, and the ugly, and a few dollars more and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. he that was in the sixties, so it was still quite a conservative time, like musically, especially like in classical music. And he started putting in sound effects like um, gunshots and like twangs, and completely just changed things up. If you think about how like impactful the music was in, in them films, it isn't like the, the opening scene, it's just like you say, like even like silent movies, it's just like there's no words. You're just watching someone riding a horse getting slowly closer, but the music is slowly building up and you feel that in anticipation. Mm-hmm. And if you can really sort of capture the emotion of the scene, it's it elevates the story you're trying to tell to completely new levels. And I always think, like, if you look at how, like, politicians, for example, like Donald Trump was obsessed with using um, Neil Young's song, Keep On Rocking in the Free World, for his campaigns. Mm-hmm. And Neil Young was always like, nah, you can F off. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> and um, but Trump always tried to do it. And it's the power, like, of that song. It's the the powerful chords um it's the the progressions like the sort of dynamics the sort of the low points in the in the in the verses and then the sort of all sort of crashing together in the core uh choruses and then the powerful lyrics as well so there's so much that goes into music so like you can say like classical music it's all about the crescendos and stuff like that and you can get other types of music that just make you feel something because like of the words and the sentiments behind them and i don't know what do you think about it all i really I like how music is used to, well, number one, kind of establish the genre. So like you said, fantasy tends to have a more orchestral kind of swelling. I put whimsical and mystical as well for for fantasy. But I I also like it as clues. So for horror films, I think it's probably one of the most obvious where you have unsettling, sharp anticipation, clashing notes that are supposed to almost speak to the... um, the almost like inhuman part of you the the more animalistic side of you like you the the hair is prickle on the back of your neck and you don't know why you just know that you're very uncomfortable with that sound right now yeah it's wonderful i love it <laughs> yeah I, I i i'm guilty of watching it but uh married the first sight australia i don't know the sound guys they have on that I tell you what they, they keep people hooked because 
literally nothing is happening on in them episodes. It's the most boring program ever, but they've got the most dramatic soundtracks. Yes. And uh, you just think something epic is about to happen. And it's now it's just so uh, someone's just bickering with someone else. You know what I mean? What you think it's going to be like the next bloody mm-hmm. shooting live on telly or something like that. That reminds me of some of the older stage productions where they rely really heavily on, you know, the drums and the strings as, yeah. you know, the actors move around, there's transitions because maybe there's not a whole lot spoken. There's not a whole lot of, you know, production, set production. So the music actually changes and cues the audience into like, this is funny now. Oh, this is not good. You know, oh, this is, this. we're all happy and everything's okay. Uh, that's what I think of when I look at reality shows. It it does very much lean on those cues. And sometimes the cues are what makes it, like you said, because there's nothing going on. Yeah. But now they've created yeah. that tension. Definitely. And I think you, you can look back to like in the history in like way back to like war medieval times and like ancient civilizations and how they use sounds and the effects that like it had on like my friend sent me the, this one the other day. Uh this ancient Celtic horn. It's got a name, I can't remember it. And when the Romans first came over to Britain, um, they faced these crazy Celts. And it was the most harrowing sound I've ever heard. <laughs> and it, like, it spooked the Romans that much that they all left and never came back for a hundred years. But it's um like if you look at like drums, like you mentioned there, like the different beats you can have with a drum. It could be happy, but it also can be terribly intimidating as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's if you if you're thinking about like in, integrating sounds into your stories, then you can use all these like especially in horror, like all these really sort of offensive noises to build up the ten- the tension and suspense. Do you think there could be such thing as musical warfare? Yeah, I don't see why not. Like if you think about like some of the sounds that you hear in in torture scenes and things like that on tv or movies like yeah that's it's horrendous aren't they i mean imagine it, if you absolutely were that. Imagine but when you, you talked about that. like scary sounds and the romans didn't return i was like maybe that's it makes me think of uh right okay we have javelina in our area and they can eat all of your succulents and so yeah. one of my neighbors put up this sound box. So anytime it gets triggered by acti- like the emotion, it releases a very high-pitched squeal. It's very annoying. I don't think yeah. it, I mean, maybe it works. I don't know. But now the rest of us neighbors have to deal with it too. But <laughs> the idea is that Havelina get disturbed by it and then they leave. So I'm like, could we do that? <laughs> could, could, could that be played in a story? Could that be placed along the equivalent be placed in like the forest boundary of your your country? And whenever people start to invade, they start hear, like hearing scary sounds similar actually yeah. to the Mockingjays in Hunger Games. That's a really cool idea. I don't see why you couldn't do it. Yeah, we should do it. I also like music for establishing a sense of place. So geography is obvious, taking the source music from the source, like the regional instruments and musical styles. But there's been some really cool interpretations of locations have just become like the norm now. Uh, A good example of this is Mario games and underwater levels. They all have that same kind of, uh, like almost like tinkling uh, ethereal kind of sound to them to the point where 
there's some sort of version of that on TikTok that people use as like a, you know, nostalgia feel. And someone unpacked that sound in one of the TikTok videos. And he's like, the reason why you feel so nostalgic when you hear this certain style of music, even though you've never heard this particular music before, is this reason. And he started showing all the 90s movies and uh, Mario games and stuff that had underwater locations. And isn't it, it's kind of cool how your psyche now establishes that as yeah. a location. Or and yeah. to go off of your idea of classical music, piano and harpsichord are, are really good for period pieces in, in Europe. You know, just cool ways to be able to say this is where you are and now that's what we associate with those locations. Yeah, definitely. I think you can like I, I love listening to music from all around the world. Um uh, particularly a fan of a sitar. So you get nice twangs on that and like say so at the weekend we went to this concert and it was a Portuguese guitar, which is a bit like a mandolin. And all the different sounds, just, they, they teleport you to different places. And I think um, I was looking at the Glastonbury lineup for this year, and there was this band on I'd never heard of, and I was like, I wonder who they are. And they're called the Master Musicians of Jujuka from Morocco. So I was having a listen to them, and it's not, not my cup of tea, but <laughs> it was pretty cool. And the instruments are so unique, and they can really sort of immerse you in a, like a fantasy or sci-fi world aren't they? that's really cool what would you say is your favorite genre when when you apply musical treatment and how it sounds and feels um favorite genre well i listen to an awful lot of i say rock but it's it's so broad <laughs> Like Almond Brothers, I'm gonna gonna say the Almond Brothers because there's such a an ensemble of so many different genres, and I've branched off in lots of different directions because of them. But in, in terms of like consistent sort of feelings and connections, I think probably classical music. Okay. Um, when like writing battle scenes, for example, you stick on some dramatic Lord of the Rings music and. You feel like you're you're there, and so it's a, it's just like such a powerful tool to use. Um, but yeah, in terms of genres that are like anything to do with sort of surrounding the album, so you got like psychedelic rock, soul, jazz, um, lot of lot of contemporary psychedelic rock is quite cool. It's kicked off again though, psychedelic rock. But what about you? Oh well, I I would have to say I love classical and also contemporary classical i guess you can say yeah. so the more movie soundtrack stuff right now i've been obsessed with succession and uh the fourth season soundtrack just got released on spotify so that's my new focus <laughs> album it's phenomenal because it's merging it's classical so you probably associate it with like a specific genre of regalness and in many ways it is it's 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 kings and queens but it's at a corporate level and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed seeing that kind of connection and parallel because there's a formality. There's a you know, feeling of status and expectation and the idea that you're not you're succeeding to a throne of sorts. And yeah. I really enjoy, I think because I was raised on classical, it almost has a soothing effect on me now when I hear it. Like yeah. I hear it, and I meet all the anxiety just goes away or any any worries I didn't know I had just goes away. So I love it for that reason. Yeah. I've been listening to quite a bit of contemporary classical music and there's been some 
really great musicians sort of popped on my radar and they're blending genres like a lot of psychedelic um crossovers okay. and um, particularly from like Sc- in scandinavia and like i think there's a Anya rani i think she's from Czech- poland she's from poland and she blends a lot of like the, the classical piano what she plays and with lots of like psychedelic sounds and it's it's really really cool and just shows how creative people can be and but there's there's never you never have to worry about not coming up with something new and original because it's so such a powerful thing the creative mind yes well then let's talk about character motifs or character elite motifs i'm not sure what the the correct terminology of this but but what it is is when it, when a, whenever a character shows up on screen, it, their theme gets played. And so Star Wars is my go-to as example. You have <laughs> yeah. themes for all of them. Skywalker has a theme. Then you have, um, there's the Leia's theme, which I think is, there's also a theme with Han. There's a love theme. And then you move on down. Ray has a theme and Kylo Ren has a theme. And then they like to inverse those two themes and combine them together for uh, the trailer. Just fun stuff like that. So, what are your what are your thoughts on character motifs? Is there a favorite that you have? Um, I do like um, Skywalker's one from back in the day. It's uh, absolutely beautiful, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just changes so many nice changes in it. But um, yeah, I think it's a great idea, and it it like you say it it sort of tells you something about the music can capture things, um, that we can't always do with just words or visuals like the it's so powerful isn't it audio mm-hmm. so if you can capture an emotion um it's sort of reflect it's got to be sort of reflective of it of, of, the, of their personality so like you say saying there what's star wars um as soon as you hear the duh, 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 i just think Darth Vader, uh-huh. and it's quite sinister like marching music yes um and that's what i sort of imagine them to be as a character and so yeah it's, it's really really powerful wandavision their the show had a, a a motif for wanda and it you don't really hear it in its clarity until later on in the season where she starts to come into her power and they have the flashbacks and it's just three notes where it goes da 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 like that's probably i'm not a singer (laughs) that's kind of where it comes from and if you go back and you watch the intro theme songs they have incorporated that three note structure in it somewhere one division one one division you know it's the same idea and then you watch multiverse of madness and they've inversed it because she's evil. So, because the whole time I was watching it, I was waiting to hear her theme because it was my favorite theme. I'm like, where is it? And that's when I realized it was do, 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 just three notes straight down anytime she did something sinister, especially when she first unveiled herself as evil. And when I realized that was what happened, I was all like, yes, like that's so cool. It was so <laughs> subtle because I love how the music now is. Uh, cluing us in to she's not Wanda she's backwards of Wanda you could argue I mean it's the Scarlet Witch that's taken over now but that's a way you can say it's not Wanda that's making these decisions it's this other evil thing yeah no it's it's really clever it's using all the possible tools you can on a storytelling level isn't it yes it's awesome so then we're writers and unless we're writing a movie and directing and having and putting on a stage production, we might not be actually thinking about music when we're writing our stories. But what can we take away 
from how music is used in stories to better our writing? I think definitely the emotional side, but I I think I, I always look to George R. R. Martin. I think he is, does it really well in the Song of Ice and Firebox with integrating songs and poems and stories in the form of like song and the the kind of the characters that you can create that are associated with it as well. Like I think the the bard and the witcher, I think he's one of the or the minstrel, I can't remember his name. But he's um he's he's one of the both memorable characters, isn't he? And it's because he captures people's mm-hmm. imaginations with his his songs, and so there's lots of ways you can integrate it. You don't just have to sort of. It, it, otherwise, it is quite difficult because we are limited in that mm-hmm. sense, unless we're going down the audio book route. But well, um, thinking yes, about the context of the story is really great too, because in your world, what is their form of music? Do they yeah. have the same instruments we do? And how does it show up? Like so many times, you know, we we talk about the plot's the plot and is it relevant to the plot? But in the world building aspect of it, being able to explore, like um, Lord of the Rings is great with that because they they talk about, you know, songs and traditions, but how can that be further incorporated into other stories? Yeah. And um, Lord of the Rings, yeah. There's so many and on such a deep level as well. Um, it's it's hard to emulate that level of world building, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. supposed to show what you can do. Well, I also think when you when you talk about how music is used as a tool to inform a genre and to inform a character, we use words to do the very same thing, and so it's like okay, how can we incur- incorporate? those sort that sort of idea as you're writing character to character to character and are you thinking about character a the same way as you think about character b would would that result in all of them kind of sounding the same or is it good to kind of you know mentally assign them their own motif in your head at least which can then inform variety as you write about your different characters so they all kind of live and breathe separately from each other yeah it's really interesting because it sort of strays into like perspective because you could have an antagonist and a protagonist and they could have the same song. But if you sing it in different ways, they have completely different feelings. Mm. And like one example I always think of is this, like the song House of the Rising Sun. And I, the Joan Baez version for me, it's just so hauntingly like, beautiful but it's on like so deep on an emotional level like you can feel what the story is about and that is basically what's happened and what what had happened is when Joan Baez singer this is what I get the sense of is that um it's a woman who ran away from home um despite her parents um I think the line is um and mum tells her not to go. And she ends up in the house of the rising sun, which is like a bit of a bordello. And she she never a life basically ruined because of it. Net can't leave, can't escape. She's trapped there. And um she just longs to be back before in the, at the time before she went. But then you can listen to like the animals version, which is it's a bit more like uh I don't know, probably a bit more poppy. And it's from the perspective of a man 
who's going to the house of the rising sun, I think to sort of become a man, if you get me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just really interesting how the same song can be so different. And it's just a matter of perspective. That's really interesting. I I like what you said about like, it's the same song, different perspectives and how I think Succession is a good example of this too. And also their performances as the character. And I'm only talking about Succession because it just ended and I'm obsessed. It's on HBO for those that don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But you have, and I've been listening to all of the soundtracks. What they've done is they've taken the main theme song um, and they change it ever so slightly based off of who it's representing, what just happened. It's really cool. And so when I think about when you're writing and you're sitting down and writing, there's like a music in your language and the words that you use and the sudden structures and the tones and the feelings that you're projecting and how the reader absorbs it and kind of having that same kind of thought. Uh, another example is, well, this is it's not taking the same song now, but it is showing the mood shift. So, and I mentioned this in an, another episode, Moulin Rouge starts off very chaotic and and um frenetic frenetic kinetic i guess you can say it's very very fast sharp cuts the music's high energy and then by the time you reach the end the story has dropped into like this tragedy and as a result the music has sits with you more it's slower the even the cinematic shots are longer more traditional versus like the chaos of the start and I always yeah. think, you know, a lot of that stuff could also be explored in your writing. There, There's a great book, All Are Wrong Today's by Elan Mustae, who it's about time travel, accidental time travel shenanigans. And when he, when the main character messes up, the chapter is a complete departure from the rest of the book where it just goes, fuck, 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 <laughs> like over and over and over again. It's it's funny, but it also kind of shows the weight of the circumstance. And and it's almost like if you think musically, it's a complete change, right, from the rest yeah. of the story. And it kind of jolts you a little bit. But I, I think it's just kind of a fun way to think, you know, not literally taking music and translating it into writing. It's like how is both writing and music accomplishing the same goal? Yeah, I think if you're struggling to get this, like a sort of a sense of a theme, it's to think of like the background music to that theme. It might sort of help you capture the emotions, maybe. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like you can, when you listen to certain songs, there's, I always remember this Dutch band called Focus. And the, well, the most famous song is Hocus Pocus, which is a bit crazy. It's worth a lesson. It's a great song. I don't know if you've ever heard of Vicky, mm-hmm. but it's got, uh, it features a lot of yodeling. Okay. <laughs> Check it out, though. It's worth a listen. But they've okay. got another song called Eruption. And it's like they're taking you on a journey. And all it needs is words to go along with that to make it a, a full story. But this the, the song changes so many times and goes back to the beginning and stuff like that. If It is like a, a, a complete journey. And it just shows you what you can really... If you're ever struggling to sort of get the sort of flow of your story you can imagine what kind of background music would it be happy and jolly or would it be a bit more somber and or if it's like a horror like you say um some sharp violin pitch pitches mm-hmm. um different in every now and then yes okay so now i wanted to ask your opinion on this list of musical claims that i found from the online psychology degree that oh. 
And I figure we can debate the merits of these claims based off of our personal experiences. So are you ready? Yeah, far away. Okay. Music can promote a better mood. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that too. I yeah. especially for how I use it to work. Okay. Music can ruin a mood. Yeah, I also agree with that, especially if you've heard Kaza Chief's version of Hurdle Through the Grapevine. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, like what puts you in a bad mood? Uh annoying music probably. But I know, it's yeah. like, what is this? Like I suppose I'd have to be in a bit of a bad mood already to let a song ruin me day because you can just turn it off or skip it. But yeah. it can definitely contribute to your bad mood. All right. Can music improve memory? Yeah, I think scientifically it's been proven, hasn't it, that if you associate memories with certain sounds, then mm. yeah, I can imagine you can you can definitely do that. Like, um, have you got any sort of memories yourself that you associate with certain sounds? I love opening up Spotify and pulling like two thousands music or you know nineties yeah. music. And especially if I'm in an area, I was just by the university uh, yesterday and I lived down there during the like 2010s, you know, so I put on that that genre of music and instantly I'm, I feel like I am just like back in time mentally because you have yeah. that affiliation. That's what I thought too. I was like, well, I don't know if I can listen to classical music and then suddenly like if you could put a poem in front of me, have me memorize yeah. it and then see how I do. And then have me memorize a different poem, play music, and then see if I recite it better. Like, I don't know if I could say I have that experience, but I can definitely say that I associate memories with certain songs. And then when that happens, it's like a flood of memories does come back. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. So I used to love the Foo Fighters. Mm -hmm. And probably about 10 years ago, just used to listen to them like nonstop. And then as soon as you start, you hear like my Foo Fighters song, then you'll start thinking about all the times that you parties and stuff like that and gigs that you went to see them and stuff like that yeah so it's like you say it's just they can sort of be a key to just unlock a door in your mind and then there, there's everything that you've forgotten i bet you could use it with for hypnotism right i, I don't i've yeah. heard of people using hypnotism as a form of therapy i don't i don't know anything about it but if you want to pull back into someone's memory play music with it I would think. Yeah, especially if it's like a traumatic memory that you're trying to access, maybe it can mm -hmm. it can help. Okay. Can music help pain management? Mm, good question. We're I'm gonna have sure to test this. One. Go break your leg. Put on your favorite on. music. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. funny. I have no experience with this one. <laughs> no, maybe like if you've fallen down the stairs in the club. <laughs> and then you Did wouldn't you notice because <laughs> your favorite song came on maybe got up and danced before you got in the ambulance there you go you're bleeding yeah. everywhere but you don't know because you're having a good time your brain is transcended <laughs> you're you're high <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah maybe like if you've got if certain kinds of sounds like my little brother he's become quite a quite a whiz at doing asmr videos and um a lot of people say they get like a lot of benefits from listening to it. So, because it's a relaxing thing. So, you, mm. you the rules for listening to his video is you've got to close your eyes and you've got to put headphones on. So, if you're struggling with like chronic pain, I imagine being able to like so shut that down or distract yourself. Oh, that's a really from good it. point. So, maybe, yeah, go and check yes. out his uh, channel, 3D Sound Studio. It's called. And 
Try 3D Sound Studio, you said? Yeah. Okay. Check out 3D. I'm going to check it out. 3D Sound Studio. I have a. I have an issue where I have allergies and like I'll have a sinus flare up and then I'll just like fixate on it and can't think about anything else. So next time I'm going to put on his video and just yeah. get blissfully distracted. It'll be great. Yeah, we'll see. Report back on that as well. Do you believe empathic people listen to music differently? Yeah, that's a good question. We probably cry I've never more. Really, <laughs> never really asked that many. You're you're an empathic person, so I, yeah. Can yeah. you relate to this? Um. Well, I'm not a non-empathic person, so I don't know how. I don't. I know there have been yeah. times where I'll sit in theaters and I'm crying over music, and I don't know why, and I'll look next to my friend who's not crying at all, and. And then I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, there's something wrong with me. Um, yeah. I yeah, I can see how different people um, with different, you know, mental capacities for like our sensitivities, I guess you can say, could be affected by music. I, what I will say though is I am greatly impacted by soundtrack orchestra music in a way that I'm not impacted by, yeah. um, I don't know, pop and country. I mean, I like pop, but I'm not going to sit there tearing up. Like, I've never cried over a Taylor Swift song, you know? <laughs> so I maybe it's just different things speak to different people. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like like I say, if we, if we listen to music, um, we're probably more empathetic than some people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we feel something differently, like, like, if, like if I can feel physical reaction to music, and other people can't, then obviously I'm listening to it differently. Whether I'm more empathetic than them, I don't know, because I've never gotten to that level with them. But I'll start asking. Okay. And then final final claim is musical brains may be sharper and more productive. I remember this when I was a kid, and they're like, if you want your kid to be better at school, put them in classical music. Do you think that's true? I think it can uh, definitely help. Because if you've got that creative mind, like an active mind, channeling it into something is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, sometimes music isn't for everyone, though, is it? You've got to, you've got to enjoy it to really sort of absorb yourself in it. I think if if I didn't enjoy writing, I wouldn't do it. Um, yeah, you just sort of point. drift, don't you? And you drift through things and trying to find what captures your imagination. And yeah, what do you think? Well, I was I was in piano against my will. <laughs> so I I definitely uh I hated it when I was young. My mom was so strict. I was six years old and she'd make me practice scales for an hour. Like to me, yeah. for a five year old six year old, I was torture. But and she had very strict expectations. I had a tiger mom, one hundred percent. So um I was very, very uh, disciplined uh, as far as like sticking to a, a practicing schedule and I I performed in auditions and um, I forgot what they were called but I, I, I did a lot of performances and concerts and stuff like that all against my will and I hated it until I learned how to use that skill towards something that I liked. I started piano accompaniment yeah. for my high school drama department. I started helping out with the choir and orchestra and band and that was through my own um interest and then at that point i was really thankful i had the skill now if i use the skill in my adult life i you know i think i have because i i work in communications and i tend there tends to be some musicality 
to the things that yeah. I do, even though it's not music. So whether it's um, telling the music in your words when you're when you're writing communications, or when I put together promos and there's beats that you want to hit because you want to keep people's attention and you want it to all kind of work together uh, to deliver the message effectively. I think that's definitely paid off. I remember I put together a video. It was a, one of those community kind of summary videos of what we've done in the past year. And people were like, how does, how does she just know to do all that stuff? And one of my colleagues said, well, she has a background in music. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't even think about <laughs> it. I just do. So I guess in that way, it has really helped me. Yeah. That sounds excellent. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for joining me on this topic. I hope that we were able to kind of get other people thinking and inspired. Uh, do you have any final statements or promotions you'd like to make? Well, thank you very much for having me. It was like one of the best chats I've ever had so on, on podcasts. So yeah, thanks very much. It's been really interesting. Um, yeah, if you, I always encourage people to listen to musical types and and use it as a sort of tool when you're writing, like especially if you find that it motivates you in some way like i have a playlist on spotify it sounds like you've got a good view as well so i'm sure you can find our playlists if you search our names and, <laughs> and uh, see what we're listening to and see if it help, helps you too um, i'll post something as well on the website about uh, music website uh, richiebilling.com and you can find lots of um, writing related guides blog posts podcast episodes and all kinds so yeah, that's the best place to go if you want to find out more about me. And if you're a fantasy writer, definitely check out your podcast. Yeah, the Fantasy Writer Toolshed. It's um, yeah, we've got some great we've had some great authors on it recently. We've had Adrian Tchaikovsky, Stephen I, and Juliet McKenna, Mary Pearson. So yeah, we've got lots more interviews coming up, and so I just try and create helpful content. So if you're looking to learn something new about writing fantasy, then you'll find find it over there. <laughs>